If you think about sort of SaaS employees, you've got product, you've got sales, you've got marketing. Each of these areas can be improved with ChatGPT. You no longer have to come up with a lot of tedious stuff that's repetitive. So like this tool, which is probably one of the first tools we've had that can actually make good, intelligent decisions about things, can also write content. And so sales and marketers are using this to create personalized emails automatically or to scrape someone's LinkedIn profile and come up with an automated personalized email. Or on the marketing side, you're using you're seeing a lot to come up with the outlines or the actual content for things like blog posts and articles. And then on the usage side, I'm seeing things where people are putting chatbots into their into their existing SaaS applications. And this allows people to get support really easily or even interface with the app where now they don't have to use a point and click format anymore. Now they're just chatting. This is like there's this huge opportunity here. All of these things you can build. Every SaaS company plays for high stakes. But what does it take to dominate the market right now? Welcome to Paris Talks Marketing, the podcast where we dive deep into the latest trends and strategies in SaaS marketing that are really working today. I'm your host, Paris, and our guests are SaaS CMOs, founders, and specialists, and we discuss one trendy topic in the industry per episode. Ready to unlock the true power of marketing strategy? In this theme, we'll explore the world of cutting-edge marketing strategies and tactics, that are shaking up the SaaS industry. We'll share insights on testing new tactics and uncover the latest developments from digital landscape giants like Google, Facebook, and LinkedIn. We'll also explore how AI is revolutionizing the digital landscape and transforming marketing tactics. So grab your headphones and get ready for a marketing strategy masterclass with Paris Talks Marketing. Hi everyone, and welcome to another episode of Paris Talks Marketing. Today, my guest is Shanif Danani, who is a chat GPT consultant with a software development and data science background. He helps businesses understand and build systems that connect their internal and proprietary systems to chat GPT, enabling internal employees, customers, and other stakeholders to reap the benefits of using large language models on their own data. Shanif has built machine learning, analytics, and software systems at large companies like Twitter and Booz Allen and Tap Commerce as one of the world's first mobile advertising platforms. He was the founder of a small SaaS startup called Apteo. Welcome to the show, Shanif. Hey, Paris. Thank you so much for having me. Looking forward to the chat. Same here. So we had a little discussion pre-show about the long hours that you're putting in and the <laughs> fact that you're at the epicenter of what seems to be a major transformative shift in the way we do business thanks to generative AI. So how do you spend your 12 to 14 hour days these days and what are you working on? Yeah, that's that's right. I'm, I'm trying to start a new business now. Uh, it's called Locusive. And as you sort of alluded to, we're trying to help companies take all of their internal data and their systems that ChatGPT does not have access to and build a software that connects it to ChatGPT. And this lets you do things like searching for your documents or answering questions using your data. And so, you know, I mentioned to you before the show, you know, I'm coding a lot. I'm doing like 12 or 14 hour days. And a lot of that is because even though, you know, ChatGPT has made it really easy to build code, there's just a lot of stuff that needs to be built to make one of these chat enabled applications work. So, you know, I'm doing maybe eight to 10 hours of coding and then I'm trying to sell this thing as well. So I'm doing marketing and sales and all the stuff that goes into small business uh, startups. But that's essentially what I've been up to for the past few months now. That's exciting. What do you see as the, some of the biggest opportunities for companies? Let's focus on SaaS companies. That's most of our listeners. Sure. But a, a SaaS company, any, any type of predominantly B2B SaaS company, what do you think is some of the opportunities that they should be looking at and thinking about when it comes to generative AI? Yeah, it's, it's funny. I just did a, actually a workshop 
on how SaaS workflows can be improved with ChatGPT. So I, I sort of think about it in two buckets. One is how do your employees improve their jobs and get more productive? And two is with the actual SaaS application you're building, how can you improve your user's experience? So I'll quickly talk about that first bucket. Uh, if you think about sort of SaaS employees, you've got product, you've got sales, you've got marketing. Each of these areas can be improved with, uh, with ChatGPT. So my specialty is mostly in product and engineering. And I use this tool personally probably 100 to 150 times a day. And a lot of that is with code. So it, it becomes a lot easier to write code if you're using one of these tools because you no longer have to go uh, onto Google and search as much. Or you no longer have to come up with a lot of tedious stuff that's repetitive. But you can also use this tool from a sales and marketing perspective and also a, a customer su support perspective. Sales and marketers are using this a little bit now to do intelligent automation. So like this tool, which is probably one of the first tools we've had that can actually make good intelligent decisions about things, can also write content. And so sales and marketers are using this to create personalized emails automatically or to scrape someone's LinkedIn profile and come up with an automated personalized email. Or on the marketing side, you're using you're seeing a lot to come up with the outlines or the actual content for things like blog posts and articles. So those are some of the ways people are using it now on the SaaS employee side. And then on the usage side, I'm seeing things where people are putting chatbots into their into their existing SaaS applications. And this allows people to get support really easily or even interface with the app where now they don't have to use a point and click format anymore. Now they're just chatting. And so you're right. This is like there's this huge opportunity here. All of these things you can build. I'm, I'm seeing things change really quickly, but those are some of the high level high level approaches I'm seeing SaaS companies use right now. And do you think that even smaller companies, smaller SaaS companies can take advantage of this if they don't have engineering resources to build these types of APIs and plugins? I think so. It's funny because one of my customers who is not a, a technical guy by nature used ChatGPT to build up a lot of the technical stuff that his site runs on. And he did a, he did a great mm -hmm. job, you know, so you can start to use ChatGPT to build a tool or a widget or whatever it is you need, even if you don't have a coding background. This works really well for smaller features and smaller things. I think you might still need somebody who's got that background if you're building a large application or architecture, just because there's a lot that goes into it. But certainly you can get up and running as a small company. And that's one of the great things about this technology is it lets anybody move a lot faster doing things that they didn't really know how to do before. And let's talk about conversion rates, because one of the things, I mean, sales conversion rates in particular, how do you think sales salespeople can use ChatGPT to improve their, their win rates? and generally the conversion rates? I think there's a there's a few things that I would think about here. Uh, a lot of salespeople today are recording their conversations using things like Thong or different transcription tools. One of the things mm -hmm. that maybe they haven't been doing up until now, which they can start to do, is use those recordings to summarize the deals that they win and then summarize the deals that they lose using ChatGPT. And then once you've got the summaries, you can go one step further and use ChatGPT to make a list of the common features that you've got from deals that you close and then the common features that you've got from deals that don't close. And what this lets you do is it starts to take a data-driven approach to figuring out why are certain types of deals closing and why are they not. Now, hopefully you've got a sales team that's already doing this, but if you're not, this is a really good and easy way to get up and running pretty quickly. You can start to see what's working and what's not. 
Now this works for sales, but you could also do this on the marketing and inbound side. You can start to use ChatGPT to come up with automatic A-B tests or variations on your headlines and variations on your calls to action that allow you to test what works and what doesn't. And you could certainly use the results of your experiments to have ChatGPT actually analyze those results as well. So I would say ChatGPT is a really good way to get into stuff that you're not doing right now or stuff that you are doing, but it's tedious and it takes a lot of time. It's a really good way to automate a lot of that away. Mm -hmm. And how about on customer service workflows? If you've got, I mean, certainly instant answers to frequently asked questions. I've I've got a great analogy or a great example here of a new startup that I've, I've been talking to, but they're essentially aggregating service manuals for particular types of large equipment, the HVAC equipment, and they're, they're, they're building that into a chat experience so that field technicians can go and bring their tablet. They can quickly see how to how to solve problems that they otherwise wouldn't have been able to, to figure out right on the spot, but also customer service people that are in call centers. But can you walk me through some examples of how this is also, you know, major productivity boost for service and support teams? Yeah, I think that you kind of nailed, you hit the nail on the head, actually. So a lot of support teams have to look up information in order to service a user's request, especially if it's sort of a weird and crazy request. It's really easy for them to come up with the standard answer of, hey, how do I reset my password? But if somebody's got this really nuanced, interesting bug or feature that they're trying to solve, it might take a a CSM manager a little bit of time to, to look it up. But when you are, you can do a couple of things to help this out. One, and this is something I'm seeing a lot of companies do today, put an automated chatbot in front of the user before they even need to reach out to a human. The chatbots that we've had up until now haven't been that great because they haven't sort of had that ability to reason properly. But with ChatGPT, you can build a bot that just hooks into your product docs and then allows your users to answer their own questions. And then let's say a user can't answer their question. What you can do is elevate it to CSM and that CSM can have a separate bot on the back end that plugs into things like the user's database or let's say your e-commerce that plugs into your shopping system. And it can automatically pull information about the user as they're talking and that allows the CSM to be a little bit more informed. These are sort of the low hanging fruit when it comes to customer support and customer success. But I suspect as you start to move upstream, like let's say you've got a great customer success team or a bunch of account executives who need to be able to provide their customers with additional value. One project I just worked on is where we use ChatGPT to analyze a bunch of data and generate a bunch of data that the CSMs could then go to their customers with and their quarterly business reviews and say, hey, we found this for you guys. We think you should do this. And so there's an upsell opportunity here on top of the support opportunity as well. Mm -hmm. And I suppose that also extends to customer feedback as well. If you've got feedback in the form of reviews or any other type of informal feedback, you can aggregate all that and then start to pull out common themes and threads for uh, improving the product, I suppose, right? Yeah, it's funny you mentioned that because the project I just mentioned was actually a project that used customer-generated reviews. And we were using ChatGPT to classify and categorize those reviews. And then once we had the categories, we could create you know, a quick report of what categories were sort of the best and the worst for a particular product. So it's certainly mm-hmm. something where if you've got a lot of data and a lot of text-based data, ChatGPT can be really great at analyzing it and reporting and transforming that data. Stuff mm-hmm. like reviews works really, really well here. Yeah. So one of the things that, that you noted earlier is that you believe that tools like Slack will be the next browser. So the, the browser, which seemed to win the next browser of the 2020s, like the browser that we know of became the operating system of the mid 2000s. How do you actually see that? Can you, can you explain that concept a yeah. bit? Yeah, it's funny. I've been sort of working in the world of software. I've been like a data geek, as I like to say, for a long time now. It used to be, the, it used to be that sort of text-based 
interfaces were how you would interface with computers. And this was before I was born in the 60s and 70s. And then the operating system came around with Windows and the early Apple operating systems. And everybody sort of shifted to point and click. And then the browser came around where everything suddenly became, you can now do anything through a browser, right? You can make images, you can edit images, you can upload files, you can do whatever you need to. And Mm -hmm. I see an interesting world where now we're kind of circling back around to the text-based interface where you can now type a command into, let's say, Slack or your own chatbot. And that command can go to some system that's hooked into all of your data. It's hooked into all of your systems and it uses something like ChatGPT to understand that command and then execute. So you can quickly, you know, I've seen a couple of demos for bots now where you say, you just type into the chatbot, hey, join my meeting. And then you've got a bot that joins your existing Zoom meeting, for example, starts recording it. At the end of the meeting, it transcribes it and then sends out an email to you. And then you can follow up with that bot and just say, hey, send this email to X, Y, and Z. And now you've got this text-based interface or chat-based interface that's a lot more powerful than what you had before. And for people, it's a lot easier to type something than necessarily, sometimes it's easier to type something than go onto a browser and point and click and type in and point and click and type. And so now you're going to have these systems that are a lot more powerful with just a few commands using, you know, just typing them out. I'm not saying it's necessarily going to replace everything, but I suspect you're going to start to see a lot of systems that are text first. And that's something that we're building here at LookUsive as well. Yeah. And what do you think that means for search? Because right now people go to search to do that. They have a need or they have a question and they're going to go and type it into to Google. But if they yeah. you think people are going to start doing that instead in, into Slack or uh, ChatGPT or some yeah. or other tools? Oh, absolutely. Like I've, you know, I've given a couple of webinars on sort of what are the most common use cases for LLMs right now, large language models. And search mm-hmm. is actually the sort of the top use case right now. A lot of people are actually using ChatGPT to answer their questions, whereas maybe before they would have gone to Google. I do this as well. You know, if I have to find a question or find an answer to a question, particularly about something related to code, I'll type it in ChatGPT first because usually it can save me a lot of frustration having to click through a bunch of links. And one of the things, so that's sort of the external search use case. And one of the things that companies are telling me their most pressing needs right now are sort of internal search. They've got all of this data across lots of systems like Google Drive and even Mm -hmm. Slack and Salesforce, and they don't have a single tool that can search across all of it and produce the answers they need. And so internal search is actually probably something that 80% of my conversations go towards and 80% of my clients ask for. So I I think Mm -hmm. search is really going to be upended. It'll be around, it'll stick around, but I think it's going to be very different than it is today. That's fascinating about the internal data and hadn't really considered that. Even a small business like ours, we've got a mountain of internal data going back years across Gmail and and our shared drives and everything that we've created over the years. And we often do struggle to search and find things. And I mean, each one of these tools has a search functionality. You can search your Gmails and you can search in Google Drive and Google Calendar. And we we do have a knowledge base in, in ClickUp and we've documented a lot of things, but people are struggling still to get things right at their fingertips in a moment of need. How would company like, let's say, uh, like us, an agency, pull all that data together and, and, and use ChatGPT? I mean, what are the mechanics of making that happen? Yeah, it's funny. That's that's exactly the product we're building. So I promise we didn't we didn't prompt you to say that beforehand. But that's is that that's. The I can also I can also verify. No, I, I uh, <laughs> I'm speaking from a pain point that I have here. Every company I talk to has this pain point. They've got all this information across all of these systems. So here's essentially the way that it works. You first build a system that lets 
all these organizations connect their tools to the, some central box. So for us, we've built integrations for Google Drive and Google Sheets. We're building integrations for Slack and we're building integrations for email. So what does that actually mean? Well, you as a user or organization uh, allow our system to read your emails or read your Slack or read the Drive uh, docs that you've got. When we read them, we sort of, there's this way that you can save the content in these documents and emails and Slack messages for later use. And then when a customer comes in and, and you know, we provided a chatbot, when they ask the chatbot a question, that question can then be used to find, let's say, the top 20 paragraphs or snippets from your email or Slack snippets that are likely to answer the question. There's a special way we, that, that that works using something called vector databases. And then what happens is you can take those 20 paragraphs or 20 emails or the combination of the above and send them over to ChatGPT and say, this was the user's question. Here are the top 20 documents or snippets that I think will answer the question. Please provide me the final answer. ChatGPT comes back and gives you the final answer and you can send it back to the, Slack, to the chatbot. So there's a lot of engineering work that's involved here because you have to wire up, and this is what we're focusing on, you have to wire up all of these data sources. Um, but once you've got them wired up, you can use them with ChatGPT in a way that you couldn't before. And so that's sort of the mechanics behind it. It works pretty well, you know, and it's sort of going to get better and better over time. Yeah, that's very cool. I'm, I'm certainly going to try to get my hands on that soon. And I think that's one of the fascinating things here too is democratizing generative AI for small and mid-sized companies, not only enterprise. I also yeah. believe that yeah. data science, machine learning and data science is becoming more and more accessible to smaller smaller businesses as well. One of the things that we're working on, we, we have one data scientist, and one thing we're working on is predicting lifetime value. So we call that PLTV, using a customer's data, using a client's first-party data of their customers. So it could yeah. be things like the behavioral data of how they're interacting or using an app or a product in the initial days to any firmographic data, geographic data, uh, the so-called zero-party data that they fill yeah. in as they're, as they're signing up. And, and actually, we've had some models that have pretty high predictive accuracy with these data sets. I think that this kind of work is, is going to be more and more accessible. Now, a quick word from our sponsor. The Paris Talks Marketing Show is affiliated with Hop Online a performance marketing agency focused on high-growth SaaS and other recurring revenue-based companies. If you like the flow of this conversation, you may want to consider jumping on a discovery call with someone at Hop Online. A discovery call is similar to my podcast interviews in a lot of ways. We'll get to know your business goals, competitive landscape, and marketing needs. And you'll almost certainly come away with some new ideas for how to accelerate your customer and revenue growth. If you're interested, go to hop.online that's hop, H-O-P, dot online, and book a discovery call with one of our strategists today. Now, back to the episode. Let's talk about the, yeah. the data science side, too, for a second. I see that data scientists are more and more relevant for marketing. Do you think there are going to be a lot more opportunities for data scientists to move out of traditional roles in, in the industries and, and to get more in, in other jobs like marketing and others? I might be biased here because I've been a data scientist for a while. And Paris, you mentioned my old company, Aptio. We actually built uh, predicted lifetime models and predicted churn models for e-commerce stores. So I am very familiar with that. I think that data scientists are, are needed sort of in every industry and every function. But a lot of companies have no idea what data scientists do or what their value is. And so there's, uh, there's always been this sort of a gap between what companies think that data scientists do, what they want them to do, and 
you know, what's what's needed. I suspect marketing marketing is one of those fields which has always been sort of has gotten more and more quantitative over time. Marketing is a perfect use case for a data scientists. You can come up with churn models, you can come up with affinity models, predictions, you can come up with segmentation models. It's a perfect use for data scientists. And I suspect that similar industries will start to incorporate and, and hire more and more data scientists. I think sales perhaps could be a good one. For example, we mentioned earlier, how do you know what deals are likely to close versus what are likely to not close? That's a really good way to use data science. Obviously, building machine learning systems will require data scientists. I suspect there's probably a, several others out there, finance, for example, that, that require data scientists. So I, I think that the world of data scientists is going to grow. What's interesting is I always like to tell people ChatGPT is, it would really do really well on the language section of the SATs and it would flunk the math section because ChatGPT kind of sucks in math. And I can tell, tell you about that, but essentially I suspect that one day ChatGPT will start to incorporate a lot of the traditional machine learning stuff that has worked well and get really good at math. Um, but right now there is sort of this need for data scientists that ChatGPT cannot actually take care of. Mm -hmm. And I think that needs just going to grow over time. Yeah. Another thing that I see as an opportunity with, with the ChatGPT, generative AI, is that it, it empowers smart people that don't necessarily have the experience yet. So it would allow an organization to hire at a more junior level or to empower more junior employees to do, to do more things. That's a great opportunity for those young people or inexperienced people. And maybe it's also a threat for the more experienced people that have perhaps hoarded that, that knowledge and expertise in their jobs up until that point. But let's talk about that too, what it actually means for from an HR perspective. Do you see trends in, in being able to actually hire people at a more junior level because they're now armed with, these, with this powerful tool? Wow. Yeah. You know, what's, what's really interesting is up until you mentioned this, I've had sort of the exact hypothesis, which is doing these, the simple stuff is so simple that ChatGPT can automate it away. But doing sort of the more complicated stuff is where ChatGPT falls flat on its face. So for example, I've been doing software development for a long time, 20, 25 years. ChatGPT can write a lot of the code that I've written, but it cannot do a lot of the infrastructure work. It can't do a lot of the microservices. And so what ends up happening is me as a senior developer, let's say, ends up doing a lot more work because I have ChatGPT to do a lot of the simple stuff for me. And then I can focus more of my time on the hard stuff. And I suspect, and maybe I'll be wrong about this, I hope I'm wrong, I suspect what's going to happen is that companies are going to stop hiring a lot of junior folks because they can automate their jobs away. And they're going to have senior folks have access to ChatGPT and then the senior folks mm -hmm. can handle a larger number of projects. So I am maybe more pessimistic and I, I, I want your optimism here where, oh, you know, maybe people will be able to hire lower cost junior folks who can do more. And I hope that's the case. But I've suspected that there's like just this 5 to 10% of things that ChatGPT just cannot do which you just need senior people to, to handle and take care of. And that might lead to a world where you have more senior people and you maybe stop hiring juniors. Uh, so we'll see. We'll see. I don't really know what the world is going to hold. But what, what I just said is that junior people now have the ability to start their own freelancing business or consulting business or micro sort of SaaS. And then they can start, start to get a lot more done now, either for themselves or in a smaller company. So I suspect that while the job makeup might shift over time at the larger companies, I suspect it's going to open up more opportunities at the lower end. And how about specifically creators, content creators, writers, and designers, videographers, because AI now is not only touching text, yeah. but, but images and, and now video too. How are, how are those jobs going to change and evolve? How do you see that? I like to be an optimist when it comes to these areas and say, I suspect that the really good designers are going to be able to use ChatGPT the same way that a really good 
engine, not chat GPT necessarily, like maybe mid journey or whatever models come out, they're going to be able to use these tools to get their jobs done faster, which means that the really cream of the crop designers are going to really float to the top because they can produce higher quality work at a faster rate. But kind of like what I said about software engineers, I suspect that you're going to have a lot of people breaking into the field who can produce work that's good enough. So you might have a bunch of influencer or maybe junior designers who've got maybe half a year of experience who can now start to create these amazing images and they can produce these at, at large amounts of scale for very cheap. And you might start to do something like have one of these guys on call and just have them come up with an image for you as you need for a very cheap price. Uh, a lot of consultants, a lot of freelancers, I think are going to be enabled by this technology because of that. And so it's one of those things where I think it's going to, like I said, open up a lot of jobs, but maybe open them up for new to, newer folks to do things on their own at the start. And then for the really, really seasoned, you know, well-seasoned exec level designers and videographers and editors, you're going to have the ability to take on higher paying clients and more of them because you have the you have better tools at your disposal. Mm -hmm. uh, for me, I, I, it's funny. I actually just tried to edit a video. I have no no sort of background in video editing, but I was able to start up, get up and running with an AI powered tool, and it was okay. You know, it definitely wasn't the quality that you would expect from someone senior level, but it was good enough. And I suspect that you're going to start to see a lot of this trend come to the forefront, where you've got a lot of things that are good enough, and then you've got a lot of folks who are just fantastic at what they do. And so there's a, mm -hmm. a bit of a dichotomy coming, I think. Yeah. I think particularly for marketing on the on the creative side, it's going to make those folks much more productive. So your top talent is going to get far more productive. They're going to be able to produce at that same high level or maybe even higher, but with a lot more frequency. And, and that's going to be great. I think that mediocre folks are possibly in, in trouble. But I think also when, when it comes to what is needed for marketing now, digital marketing is really creative at scale. If you want to be able to rapidly test and iterate lots of different creative variations of things. And because the AI is also driving the ad platforms like Google Performance Max, these certainly are exciting times ahead. And I think it's a great time to be in marketing and, and this tool is now at the fingertips of anyone that wants to use it. And is there anything, Shanif, that, that I didn't ask you that you wished I would have asked or anything else that you believe could benefit our audience? Marketing, I, you know, it's funny. I talked to a lot of marketers and I haven't seen as much uptick as I thought I would, but I suspect that they're getting used to figuring out what's possible. How can they best use these technologies? And so one thing I would just recommend is try something out with the ChatGPT website, or, you know, there was just a new model that was released today. There's been Google's open source or Google's bar. Just try something out next time you have, let's say an article to write or a social media post to write, or you're coming up with a new campaign. If you haven't tried it yet, it's free to get started. Go onto the website, tell the system, tell the chatbot what you're trying to do and see if the results are good for you. And you don't need, I know marketers love to be sort of buttoned up and highly polished, but you don't need to be buttoned up or polished the first time you use it. I suspect you're going to be surprised at what you find. And so give it a shot, mm -hmm. see if it's something that can work for you. And as you use it more, you're going to find new and better use cases for it. And so, you know, Paris, we were talking before this and talking about how some people might be worried that it's going to come for their jobs. But if you become a really great marketer because you're using AI better and more effectively, your job is not going to be able to be replaced and you'll always have a job. And so just get familiar 
familiar with it now. You don't need to be perfect, but start using it. See what it gets you. That's what I would recommend. Yeah, that's great advice. Dive in right at the deep end, get your hands dirty and, and play around with it. Excellent. Well, Shanif, where can people find you online? Uh, you know what? I am available at our website, locusive.com, uh, L-O-C-U-S-I-V-E. But I'm all I'm on LinkedIn. You know, I try to publish uh, some information about ChatGPT, at least on a daily basis. So feel free to follow me. If you ever have any questions, you can reach out. I'm Shanif at locusive.com or just visit our website and uh, always happy to help if I can. Great. Thanks. Thanks for the great discussion today, Shanif. And I wish you all the best with the Lucusive. And I'm actually going to check it out right now and, and, and have a deeper, deeper look at this. But it's been fascinating and good luck with, with this and, and everything else. And have a great thanks. week. Thanks so much, Paris. I enjoyed the conversation. Have a great week. Appreciate the time. Thanks. Another great episode in the books. Hope you enjoyed it. If you want to get notified when future episodes drop, be sure to subscribe to Paris Talks Marketing on your favorite podcast player. And to learn more about our growth marketing agency, visit hop.online. That's hop, H-O-P dot online. Have a great day.